0: Get down with D&D. Get down with D&D. Get yeah, you know down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Get down with d I'm down with d and down with d Are you ready to get down with some d I know I am. And I am joined, as I am always joined, by the modest, mature, and meticulous... Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean?
1: It has been quite a few days here, Chris, uh in the D&D world. I took maybe 3 or 4 days off because I have family in town visiting and I don't get to see them very much, so I'd like to focus my full attention on them while they're here, and I come out of my little turtle shell and it looks like D&D has exploded.
0: Well, I mean, we're going to talk about the two new settings that they announced. Uh one that you can start playing with right now, Eberron. What? Eberron? Eberron. Oh. I love me some Eberron. I'm yep. so excited. So very excited.
1: It is a thing. And,
0: and the other one is a Ravnica from Magic the Gathering. That's a Magic the Gathering thing that's going to be d and which we'll get into all that later. But mm-hmm. before we get to that, I suppose we should do some announcements, huh? Let's do that. All right. Uh, Gen Con 2018. When you hear this, we'll be driving there? Yep. I think. That's exactly
1: yeah. how where I'm going to be, I believe.
0: Yeah. I mean, we'll be there, so. Um, if you're hearing this, like, I'm going to be at the Ennies on Friday night because uh, we have a couple of any I'm, I'm affiliated with some things. I got some Ennies nominations this year, Hobbs and Friends of the OSR, and uh, the Gnome Stew blog, so there's that. Uh, I'll also be running a ton of D&D, and there's a party at, on Wednesday night that I'll be at. So if you find me on Wednesday, because I'll be at the DM meeting for Baldman Games until, like, 9 o'clock. After that, I'm going to go uh, hang out with some cool people.
1: Yep. I'm pretty much in the same boat. I will be at the... Uh the DM's meeting for Baldman Games Wednesday night going probably to that same little party but the rest of the time I'll either be in the JW Marriott which is where the D&D is being played or I will be wandering around the dealer hall looking at all the cool things so if you are anywhere near the JW Marriott stop by and and try to find us because we'd love to talk to you
0: Our second thing Dungeons and Dragons is having its best year ever says Hasbro CEO
1: Yeah isn't that crazy? I mean it seems like every time we turn around, Hasbro is mentioning either in its earnings reports or in a public space somewhere, D&D, which, as I've said, for the last 40 years has been pretty much unheard of. And over the last three or four years, it's been regular. Uh, so Brian Goldner, who is the CEO of Hasbro and the chairman of the board, said that D&D is having its best year ever, um, including double-digit new user growth. So when we hear about uh, the uh, player's handbook not being able to be kept in stock, uh, I think that's what they're talking about there, uh, which is an incredible thing given the digital age that I could not have imagined a tabletop role-playing game growing like this is growing. And he... He said it was basically because it was a tabletop role-playing game that it's growing this way because, you know, in a world where we're so disconnected from people because of, of the ease of communication through the Internet that setting down and getting immersed in a face-to-face storytelling session is something people are, are looking for, and I can definitely see that. And also, of course, the social media and the streaming have helped grow the phenomenon as well.
0: Mm-hmm, absolutely. I think the most uh, – so there was a kind of a kerfuffle with uh, something that, that the CEO said where he mentioned D&D in the same uh, breath as esports when mm-hmm. really he was talking of – he was really intending to be talking about Magic the Gathering. I think he just misspoke. Right. But it, it was funny. There's a lot of funny memes out there on the internet <laughs> after that. Yeah. Uh, well, most, it's, uh,
1: yeah. Go ahead.
0: The uh, a, a spokesperson for Hasbro later clarified that while their strategy for building digital gaming capabilities for Dungeons & Dragons, which they're going to be building more uh, video games for D&D and other things for D&D, um, while that remains intact, the game has not yet been classified by the company as an eSport because of its limited competitive scope. Because, you know, it's a role-playing game, right?
1: Right. And I think, when they're, I think what he meant when he said eSport was, like you said, he's really talking about magic in terms of the competition aspect, but esport when you think of esport you think of playing the game but you also think of people watching the game so in in the sense of viewers as participants in a game mm-hmm. then then that classifies as the you know the streaming if you combine streaming and esport you get that whole viewing component um, yeah. all put together
0: I, yeah, they were talking about esport as far as magic was concerned because arena has n- over a million users and that's right. a pretty good number in I in mean, beta <laughs> yeah the right. um It's the streaming thing, right? This is D and D as entertainment, yep. And and that is something that they are that they are very um, excited about. Because one, it's good marketing for them, and two, it's there's ways to make money off that. Yep. And he
1: he even when he wasn't talking about D and D specifically, he was talking about other Hasbro brands, including like the Power Rangers. He he kept harping back to entertainment and storytelling, entertainment Mm -hmm. and storytelling, and so you can see that D and D isn't necessarily changing to become something new what people want is changing the storytelling as part of their you know their entertainment is coming around to fit the niche that D&D has always had which is this group storytelling and entertaining uh, aspect
0: well human beings are often their primary form of entertainment has always been kind of storytelling Mm -hmm. my brain needs a story yep and that's just the way that people work Uh, feel free to argue with me if you'd like everybody out there in the world but that is been proven over and over again over the course of time that we tend to like to tell stories mm-hmm. to each other and we tend to like to watch people tell stories or watch stories on screens on TVs from radio programs in even books. around campfires in yep. books you know whatever we're a very story based society yep Um. so you know streaming d d on TV or on, on computers or you know whatever your platform is is just another way to consume and, and absorb stories yep
1: and if Hasbro gets heavily into the television world through say another power ranger show as he was talking about would it be that far fetched to think that maybe D wouldn't be too far behind with some sort of television show
0: probably not I would i'm hoping i'm so. hoping not because i think that would be cool i mean let me here's a, here's a crazy thing to think about like yeah. having um over a million viewers like 1.5 million viewers is is not a large TV audience, but it's not a terrible TV audience. Sure. Um, it was enough to keep uh, AMC on Comcast's cable situation mm-hmm. from, uh, from Mad Men. Right. So not a giant thing, but but decent enough to keep them there. Now, I'm not really sure how much money or how many uh, viewers you would technically need to get some certain kinds of advertising or whatnot via your own like brands and, and such via streaming and and how that all works. Mm-hmm. But like... If you have that million to million point five viewership, mm-hmm. then like there's money to be had there. That's it's a good it's a good company strategy to right. then you know pursue that kind of um, pursue that kind of platform and that kind of entertainment for people because mm-hmm. and- then all that comes with the advertising and toys and whatever sure. and books and such.
1: Yeah, and what's the demographic that the advertisers are always going after? It's the exact same demographic that we have seen reported is the one that it's getting into D&D right now, which is that, like, 18 to 24 uh, demographic.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It bodes well for the D&D movie that's coming in a couple of years.
1: Absolutely. We're still waiting on any news for that or, you know, any significant news for that, so hanging
0: in there. I mean, it's a little super pre-production, I imagine. I'm sure. pretty sure they haven't even started filming yet. Right. Um, Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Jasper's Game Day.
1: Yeah. So uh, Fenway Jones is one of the head organizers for Jasper's Game Day. It's a game day that she founded because she lost two of her friends to suicide, and she is now on the National uh, Suicide Prevention Board uh, as a you know a very young woman. And we salute her willingness to you know see the problem and go after fixing it. And how she has decided to try to fix the problem is to create this Jasper's Game Day. Uh, Wizards of the Coast is, is also involved in this and what they're doing is they're allowing game stores to go online uh, to jaspersgameday.com and sign up to, to participate. And if you do, you will get resources from Wizards of the Coast and other uh, other organizations, including Adventurers League, to you know play the game day, raise money, and that money will be given to whatever local crisis center is closest to your store. So the money that's raised, every single penny of it goes directly to them. So it's not going to some nebulous national organization that, that you don't know what you're, what's going to happen to it. It's going right to uh, the place that's closest to you in helping prevent suicide. So we just want to point this out. Um, give a big shout out to, to Fenway for for her part in this. And as I said before, go to Gasper's Jam- com, and sign up your game store to participate.
0: If you are in the western New York area, especially the Buffalo area, so that I can actually get to your store in a reasonable amount of time and you decide to partake in this program let me know. Uh, I own a events company called Like Effect Gaming. We run a local convention. Uh, I also mm-hmm. run this podcast network. We will push what, mm-hmm. that event for you and we will show up with people and you know help. There you go. Sounds good. Chris at MrHectorMark.com. Email me. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, last thing before we get to our main topic. Encounters in Sharn. This is a uh, product that has come out with the release of Eberron, since Eberron is now out there on the DMs Guild for people to write stuff for. And this is an, uh, a depths product. Uh, Sean, you wrote three of the adventures in here?
1: Yep. There, it's a series of 12 mini-adventures. I worked on three of the mini-adventures along with many of my Guild Adept cohorts. And so these are just very short adventures. I think mine probably each run a little less than an hour to an hour. So if you run all three together, you could get a nice little two to four hour full adventure out of the three that I wrote. But there are several of them. Most of them are in the you know 1 to 10 level range. And it's just a great introduction, especially if you've never been in Eberron, or if you want to see what the new Eberron looks like, um, you can go in and see what the Gilded Depths here have done with, with their knowledge of the setting.
0: Absolutely. There, um, this supplement is meant to be used with the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, which we'll talk about in a little while. Uh, the three that Sean wrote, the, the, fallen mad excur- the, the Fallen Mad Excursion, the Fallen Mad Excavation, and the Fallen Mad Excommunication, it's all about what happened to a Cleric of the Silver Flame. Uh, there's a lightning rail adventure. There's probably a griffin uh, race adventure in there, I would imagine, because it's called, uh, it's called Congratulations, You're a Winner. There's a chase through the skies that's intended for 5th to 10th level characters, and they're optimized for 8th level characters. It's, uh, it's fascinating mm-hmm.
1: to me. Yep, they're, they're all in that kind of noir or the really Eberron pulp style, so it try, really tries to get across that, that feel.
0: And by Eberron pulp, we're talking about two-fisted action. Mm-hmm. It's two-fisted action noir. Those are the really the two, um, in my opinion, beats that, that Eberron does really well. With a little bit of the uh, Cthulian-type horror in there because of the Delkir, but not in, the, not in this product, I would imagine.
1: Yep, and they're all set in Sharn, so it takes you from the very tip-top towers above Sharn to the cogs and the fallen and the uh, gritty areas in the depths of Sharn.
0: Mm, very cool stuff. I love the cogs. It's one of my favorite places in Sharn. Mm-hmm. Because that's where you can, you know, interact with all sorts of like uh, monsters and whatnot. Yep. All right. Let's get to our main topic for the evening, which is the fact that there are two new settings. We're going to talk a little bit about both of them. It's sort of a sort of an intro to them if you're not familiar with them or familiar with the products. So the first one is The Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron. And I am uh, in my research of figuring out what this book was because I haven't really gotten a chance to read it yet. Here's a quote from Keith Baker's blog. Uh, the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron isn't an encyclopedia. It doesn't delve deeply into history or geography. Instead, it talks about the themes of Eberron, the things that define the setting, and how these can affect your game. How can you capture the feel of pulp adventure or neo-noir intrigue? What impact could The Last War have on your character or your campaign? So mm-hmm. that's a direct quote. So there you go. Yep. And
1: really what this book boils down to is a a, a pretty in-depth Look at Eberron in terms of what it is, uh, the lands around it, and then a really deep delve into Sharn itself, and and what Sharn brings to the setting. And but there are also fifth edition, uh, you know, crunchy stats for you to play all of your favorite Eberron specific races. So if you're looking at uh, Warforged, if you're looking at shifters. You're looking at changelings. All of those things, uh, you can get your fill
0: in this product. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, let's talk about what's inside this book. Um, new versions of changelings, Calistar shifters, and Warforge. Calistar. There's no psionic rules. Are psionic rules in this thing? Uh, no idea. Not not
1: the in, not in depth psionics like what people are clamoring for.
0: Yeah. Um, but there's Kalish so there's some semblance of there's at least themed psionics in there. Exactly, it's it's yeah.
1: it's all about the mind, not necessarily called psionics.
0: Ah, okay, uh, so there's a bunch of information about uh, about ideas, how common races fit Neberon, um how the dwarves work from the Moorholds, how uh, if you're a Zil, uh, Zilgado gnome, and the schemes that you could be caught up in. There's also an overview of Corver with a focus on ideas for characters and npcs from each nation which i think is cool instead of having npcs and characters there's a focus on them that's what mm-hmm. it sounds like to me so that's neat um there's rules for dragon marks uh those are the magical signals that play an important role in the setting if you have a dragon mark you're basically part of a cyberpunk house <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> or neo-noir uh magic punk house i'll go with that if mark Napier occurred me he'd be angry at now because he thinks magic punk's a stupid name for it <laughs> but um well, well you, I, I, I have to
1: say that I was on a podcast, which I will talk about in a bit, uh, talking about Eberron, and someone, I believe it was Ryan Wicks, came up with the name Kyberpunk.
0: Kyberpunk. <laughs> which which
1: which just just deserves a big round of applause. It really
0: does. It is pretty good. I like yeah, it. That's a, yeah. it's that's the funniest thing I've heard all day. Yes. I'm not sure. I'm happy about that. No, it's, it's pretty. Good. It's pretty okay. Uh, there's a bunch of unique magic items, um, including dragon shards, warforge forge component items, and new arcane focuses for your wand slinger. What is a wand slinger? Oh my god, that sounds awesome. Oh, you don't, you don't remember the wand slinger
1: uh, from from third edition, i on. The wand slinger is someone who can basically really use wands well. I think they can dual wield them, and and uh, at least in third edition. Um, so yes, it's a. It's quite a an evocative name, and if I remember correctly, the what what you could do with it was also really quite strong.
0: Nice. Hopefully, they fix that and balance it out a little bit. I mean, I've I've seen some things that say Warforges are broken or overpowered, or the the new powerhouse class of uh, of D and D or powerhouse race of D and D. I hear that the dragon marks are like sub races. They have the same rules as like sub races, so that's fascinating to me. Um, if that's their implementation, I can't wait to see how that mechanically works. Uh, And then the other last thing that's in this book, I suppose, is an overview of Sharm the City of Towers, which is my favorite city in all of fantasy gaming. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's got a focus on getting started with your character or your story. Uh, There's a bunch of background hooks, story ideas, and and three separate starting points for different styles of campaign, including the gritty uh, Calistan campaign that Keith is running at home. So Mm -hmm. there you go. That's pretty neat. Yep. And one thing that we're not going to do today is
1: delve deep into the mechanics because we could set and we could really tear, tear these down. But the, the book just came out. Um, I'm not we haven't, ready. Yeah. Not we ready. Haven't had had a chance to, to sit down and do the, the deep delve that, that we could, but we just want to kind of get a general feel for people out there, especially people who don't know what Eberron is because they're,
0: they're really completely new to D and D. Mm -hmm. We will be talking about Eberron in the future. Like, in the next few weeks, I'm Uh, sure that Eberron's a thing that's going to be coming up over and over again. A a lot. Um, Just
1: to correct one thing you may have said, Chris, uh, dragon marks are actually treated as feats.
0: Oh, well, that's different. Okay. Yeah. Interesting.
1: But but that's how they were done in third edition as well, so it's not particularly surprising.
0: I'm less interested now. Yeah. I
1: don't like feats.
0: But you know what, Chris? You know what's
1: great about that? is that Hmm. you, Christopher Sneasek, you could write up your own version of this and put it up on the DMs Guild. I could. Because Aberon is now legal for the DMs Guild for you to do what you want with it.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I I have some thoughts and whatnot, but I'm kind of busy in the middle of a Kickstarter right now.
1: I completely understand that. But also, any of our listeners could do that. And what I'm trying to get at is, wow, Chris, the love for eberron out there was was strong for wizards to open it up as the dm in the dm's guild is is unbelievable again um i i understand you know ravenloft is is a cool setting i like it um i wasn't surprised when they opened that up so opening up eberron it, for me is a huge surprise i did not think See, they would do that and i'm str- really glad they did
0: strange enough this is Eberon is the no-brainer one to me because it's the one that came out of a setting search. Like this is, this yeah. was a a person, a game designer out there. I mean, we all know Keith Baker now, mm-hmm. um, who was like, "Well, here's one of my submissions for this thing that got through." Right, like, yeah. really. This is somebody sitting at their desk at home, being like, "I'm gonna make my own stuff up and I'm gonna send it in and hopefully it wins." And mm-hmm. it did.
1: Out of about fifteen thousand entries, yes, yes, it did.
0: Yes. Yes, it did. So, as far as like one that I would open up to people fiddling around with, it would be this one okay. more than some of the other ones. Like, I was actually surprised that it, that the, them allowing people to play with the Forgotten Realms is more surprising to me than them letting people play with Eberron.
1: I can see that. I can see that.
0: I can also see your point. It is really cool that they're doing that. No, yeah,
1: it's it's great. So, you know, if you're out there and you're you've been waiting forever for Eberron. Here it is. And one other, there was a big controversy because, you know, it's marked as a playtest or unearthed arcana or whatever you want to call it. Um, The reason they're doing that is because if you buy it on the guild, they can update it and you will get a notification and everything will be right there in the new document. So it's not like you're buying a book and now, you know, that book, if they errata it, you have to, to print out pages to change or whatever. You know, it's all right here. You they, they can update it, and you, you will uh, will get the changes yeah, as they I'm, as as it's play tested and as people you know send in their feedback.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting how they're doing it. I'm. It's not the way that I would have done it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I. I mean, but I'm not Wizards of the Coast, so who cares, right? <laughs> True. Like, and people are clamoring for this thing, and now it's like, well, here's twenty. Give us twenty bucks, and we'll keep making this thing better and better and better and better. Over the course of time, right, and there is a lot of content that they did not put in this uh-huh, so it's only one hundred and seventy pages now. it's going to probably be much bigger later,
1: right, or maybe we will see a hardcover at some point if if the uh if the sales are go well for this, and if we see lots of stuff up on the d m s guild and people are super interested in more because there were. You know, for third edition, there was a lot of Eberron hardcover book being printed.
0: There was. Now that means if I'm a fan of Eberron, which I am a fan of Eberron, um, and all of you folks out there that are fans of Eberron, you should go out there and make Eberron stuff and put it up in the DM's guild because it's mm-hmm. just another way to let them know that you want more Eberron stuff. Right.
1: If you if you're waiting for, you know, whatever source book, if you're waiting for the Zendric source book, write the Zendric source book.
0: Uh huh. Or go and you know buy this this document. Yep, I mean I'm not going to call it a book. I'm going to call it a documents. That's kind of what it is. I've heard right. I've heard that. Like I saw the complaints about it not being a, a polished done thing and I'm like, "Eh, that's fine." Like mm-hmm. I, I I wasn't sure how to feel about it, but I just I think it's because they're like, "Here, everybody make whatever you want for Eberron." I'm actually more okay with it.
1: Yeah. Yep. I have no problem with um, you know, digital digital media and Ten years ago, people were complaining because there wasn't digital media. Mm-hmm. And now here we have digital media and more, pe- more and more people are using digital only and they're not even buying books. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, publishing is a drain on the publisher when, I'm, when you talk about making physical books. It is. Uh, so the more that they can switch to this mode and get people used to using this mode, uh, is, you know, it's, it's better for the industry as a whole. And I, I'm, I I'm someone who loves hardcover books and I love to be able to flip through them. But I'm also learning that I'm learning how to use digital media better, more efficiently mm-hmm. at the table, you know, in my own life, in my freelancing, all that.
0: Uh, just last thing, like I haven't seen this that I can remember before a company doing something like this where they're like, here's the uh, like buy this thing and have this thing. And then we'll keep updating it as far as publishing goes, because mm-hmm. this is pretty much how every this is pretty much how a lot of video games get made. Right. Like, here's the beta version that you can buy into for a low lower price or for this price. And we'll keep updating this thing mm-hmm. over the course of time. Yeah. So it's interesting that they're doing it that way. Yep. I've never I don't think I've, I haven't seen it done in publishing like this before, because now they have that option because of what you just said. Right. So
1: it will be interesting to see how it works as as a publishing method. Um, you know, see if it takes off, see if there's a lot of resistance, um, and see how it goes. Mm-hmm.
0: Although I, I can tell you right now, the more people that buy into this, and the more people that interact with this, and the more people that, that contribute to this, the more this thing will get updated and get paid attention to.
1: Yep. And a couple, others, a couple other tangents that I wanted to, to mention. Um, the lead designer on this book was Keith Baker, of course, who created the setting... Uh, as, as a an entry into this design a setting contest back in 2002 um, but also one of the one of the designers was Rudy Rutenberg of Maze mm-hmm. Arkina and other streaming shows that used Eberron so you know he's been playing in Eberron in his stream for a couple of years now so he's been working on all of this stuff as he goes
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I also a uh, familiar uh, name popped up Will Hindmarch was the book designer Interesting. Yeah, someone who we've seen his work over the years in non D and uh, D spaces, uh, coming in to, to work on a D and D product.
0: Yeah, that is um, good for Will. I'm glad that he got that gig. Uh, for those who don't know who Will is, just uh, there's, he's uh, he's he's led a very interesting life for the last few years. He's got um, he's a cool guy. I like him a lot. I've had him on the show before. i um, misdirected Mark. Um, Will suffers from some depression problems. And it's uh, really impacted his um, his design output at times. So I'm really got, glad that he got to work on this book. That's mm-hmm. probably really good for him. So so that's good. I can't wait to read it and see what uh, see what's in there. And
1: the the last thing I wanted to mention in terms of this this product is whenever a new D and D product comes out, the first question from many many people is, is it legal for Adventurers League? And right now the answer is no, it is not. That doesn't mean it will never be legal for Adventurers League. When the fourth edition version of Eberron came out, the Living Forgotten Realms campaign was in full swing. And the question that was asked most was, are Warforged legal for LFR? And to the point where it became a joke. If they had had memes back then, Mm -hmm. that would have been the biggest meme in the gaming world. So now we are hearing, jokingly, are Warforged legal for AL? Um, Right now, no. But the Adventures League administrators, both on their um, specific org website and on Twitter and in other locations, have said that some really cool and uh, changes are coming, some really interesting new stuff that people are asking for. So, you know, we can't say definitively that this content will be AL legal, but I know from experience that... They want to get as much of this stuff as possible into an Adventures League organized play setting. So it would not surprise me at all if in some way this content was used. Don't know how. Don't know at what the time frame is. But I would be shocked if they didn't somehow get it used.
0: All I want them to do is not not mesh Eberron and Forgotten Realms in some way, shape, or form. Can they I, not do that? That would make me very happy if they didn't do that. If they, it would
1: make me, yes. It would make me very happy if they didn't do that as well.
0: I mean, just leave them separate, please. Mm-hmm. Please. I, God, I hope that's what they do. I've, I mean, got my, I've got my fingers crossed. I, um... Well, they did, because uh, when they had, uh, was it Living Greyhawk? Didn't they do the Green Regent? Or was that a fourth edition? I can't remember. It was third edition, wasn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, that was third edition, and that, those were those are separate campaigns. Yep.
0: Yes, that's good. That mm-hmm. and hopefully they follow that same model from before. I would love right. to see that. So we we'll, we will see, but
1: so you know, as you as you peruse this stuff, and if you're an Adventures League fan, um, don't panic yet. Give the administrators time to to get their act together and come up with the best possible strategy for all parties involved.
0: Mm. All right, let's move on to the next thing, which yes. will be a little bit shorter because there's not as much information about it. <laughs> That's true. There's not a book out yet. So Magic and D&D. Is this the peanut butter and chocolate for Wizards of the Coast? What do you think, Sean? Because the Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica was announced.
1: Yep, it was announced, I think, the 20th of November is its release date. It is. And it could possibly be a game changer in terms of D&D because... You know, If you're a fan of D&D, you probably know at least a little bit about Magic. I can count the number of times I've played Magic on one hand, and I know very, very little about its background and its setting. I know that there are colors involved, and those colors uh, are supposed to represent a certain kind of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's basically my full knowledge of the setting. So, uh, But... That said, there is a huge, huge player base for Magic. Uh, may- maybe shrinking a little now, but still definitely strong. And for years, people have wondered why aren't D&D and Magic being put together to draw on the strengths of both. And this is the first step in that direction um, that's actually in a hardcover book.
0: Yeah, they've been they've been sort of doing it all along, right? They have all these Plane Shift uh, articles. Mm-hmm. There's Zendikar and then Innistrad and Kaladesh, then Amonkhet and then Ixalan, which is uh, that's interesting. Those mm-hmm. are cool. I like them a lot. But now we're going to a, get a hardcover book like mm-hmm. that's that's called uh, Ravnica, which if you don't mind, I, I have some information here for everybody so they can get a little bit of uh, an inside info on what Ravnica is. I would love
1: to hear it because I do not have that information.
0: All right everyone, you can actually just go find this stuff on the Wizards of the Coast setting in different places. Um so, it's not it's not that hard to find, but I figured I'd let you all know so you don't have to look. So Ravnica, it's it's a worldwide cityscape and it's um filled to the brim with adventure and intrigue and it's it's uh, a, you know, it's for D&D. So it's it feels a lot like Sigil already, right?
1: Absolutely. Sorry, I'm I'm here with you. I was okay. just I I've gone in the listening mode cuz okay. Chris is going to tell me a story.
0: All right, so Here's the, right from the page, a perpetual haze of dreary rain hangs over the spires of Ravnica, bundled against the weather, the cosmopolitan citizens and all their fantastic diversity go about their daily business in bustling markets and shadowy back alleys. Through it all, ten guilds, crime syndicates, scientific institutions, church hierarchies, military forces, judicial courts, buzzing swarms, and rampaging gangs vie for power, wealth, and influence. These guilds are the foundation of power on Ravnica. They have existed for millennia, and each one has its own identity and civic function, its own diverse collection of races and creatures, and its own distinct subculture. Their history is a web of wars, intrigue, and political machinations as they have vied for control of the plane. I mean, now it just sounds exactly like Sigil.
1: Yeah, that is definitely true, because, you know, it's it's a big city with everything you need right in it, and all of the factions, guilds, or whatever you want to call them are all, you know, jostling
0: for power. Yeah. So, yep. And the way that they did it, um, at least in magic terms, was they took two of the colors, meshed them together, and created a guild around that, and that mm-hmm. that gave it its own flavor. So uh, that's how the ten guilds got got made. I think. I think that, that that that's my guess anyway. I don't really know a ton about Ravnica. Okay. Um. So they uh that that that's that was their story design aesthetic for that from the mechan- from the mechanics that was mm-hmm. their idea um here's just here's like a couple of them let's read a few of them um the military guild of boros, which is red and white, which is fire and uh healing magic i guess like and uh, f- red is usually like destruction and whatnot white is usually like light or healing magic things like mm-hmm. that um th- they believe in righteousness as fire shining with the light of justice um then there's the uh the blue red so blue is like like a counter magic or control magic. It's usually blues or control decks. So mm-hmm. that that kind of magic. And bread, obviously destruction and whatnot. So that's dragon-led Izzet. So it's this guild is run by a dragon. Fuses elemental magic and technology, making its members the undisputed masters of innovation. So we already have a military guild that is very much uh, paladin-like with, uh, with a lot of fire at their disposal. And then we have a dragon-led... Guild that you know does magic and technology together. I mean, mm-hmm. that's already pretty cool, right there. If you ask me, I, I it doesn't sound like a bad place to play games. in. If you right, ask me.
1: and and it's a, it's a it's a very simple system. You know, these this five color system, mm-hmm. but you can do a lot as you mesh them.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you can um you can find the rest of the Ravnica information on the um on the website. In fact, I'll have a link in the show notes, so you can just go check it out by clicking that link if you want. Uh, I don't know how they're going to mechanize that. That's that's
1: that's the exact question. That that, that's that's, I want to say haunting me because I'm not scared. Um, Just that that interests me because you know with with Eberron, I've already seen it through fourth and fifth edition or through third and fourth edition, so I can wrap my mind around what's going, how it is moving forward. You know, I can understand how to add plating the warforged. You know, I can understand how to. Make changelings be able to change their features all the time you know without really overpowering it, so you know that I can see this is so foreign to me, and i you know, I understand the mechanics of the game of of magic, so it's interesting to me that are they just going to use the setting and then just make the game just like d and d, or are they going to bring in elements of you know this sort of tapping powers and drawing energy from the land um into the game because if they can do that they can slowly bring those magic players in with something that that's they under already
0: understand so it's just it's really it's really interesting to me to see how that's going to work me too because t- to me the um the the wizard class in dungeons and dragons does not model this stuff very well but the sorcerer class seems to model it better because mm-hmm. of how power how how their meta magic works and how that can be sure. um, manipulated in a lot of ways to make it feel like you're drawing energy from somewhere right like you, you can almost change that from drawing it from like an internal source to drawing it from the world around you right yeah, so I like that so like that would be a better design uh for it in my in my opinion, but then again, they could have created something wholly new
1: right, and that that's that's just the thing you you never know and it's it's a cool setting all by itself, so I you know will happily buy the book even if it's just here's the setting and here's how the rules of d and d and the monsters and and all of the accoutrements that go with it fit into this world as is and and I'm cool with that but if they do some cool mechanical things then uh it'll be just interesting to see how that works
0: yeah because i mean so the thing is is like you're probably not playing the wizards right like the the wizards that plane walkers or the like it's probably not going to work that way it's just I, I don't think that's the kind of play that they're they're pointing at I could be wrong about that but I think they're just pointing at you know like adventure stories in, mm-hmm. in the magic setting right so you're not really going to be unless unless you're at higher levels and they have some different stuff for that but I would I don't know like that sounds like a completely different game to me right like it and definitely does so like I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with the one through ten Type characters, and if they even if they keep it in the same framework, like the um, it doesn't feel the same to me. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, it's like the mechanics of the game don't really mesh, right? Like like wizards and how they draw magic from the earth feels more like Defilers from Dark Sun, <laughs> like just <laughs> yeah. So so I don't know how magic is going to work with the way that the spell slot system is set up for for how they actually handle magic in D and D.
1: Yep. Well, it's just it's fun to to think about, to cogitate on, and and see if anything cool you know, can can come from it.
0: Yeah, I mean it'd be very strange if they ripped out that spell slot system and put a different magic mm-hmm. system in there.
1: And it's cool because a lot of the folks that used to work on D and D, uh like James Wyatt, speaking of Eberron, uh James Wyatt and Chris Tulak and, and others who were you know heavily into the D and D side that switched over to work on the magic side now can split their knowledge in you know and put it into This new uh, setting or a new system or new whatever they come up with
0: split their knowledge. Or was this done on purpose, knowing that this was coming in two or three years? That is a good question as well. Mm, That's a very good question. I feel like that was part of their their longer term plan. And that's Mm -hmm. probably why some of those folks went over from the D&D side to the magic side to get familiar with all of the lore and whatnot. Right. All right. Well, that's um. Is there anything else you want to say or is that our episode?
1: Uh, I only wanted to mention one more thing. I wanted to say, uh, to point out a a new old podcast. Um, the Tome Show Network had a show called the D&D Roundtable that Mr. James and Tricasso used to host. And when he created his own network, uh, it went through a couple iterations. But now it is back. It is hosted by Paige Lightman and Ginny Loveday. And their first episode should be out shortly if it's not out already. And they had me as a guest on their first actual roundtable episode. And I really appreciated being asked on to talk about Eberron. Um, So check your podcast feeds. And if you used to be a subscriber to the D&D Roundtable on the Tome Show Network, um, it's going to be there again. So look for it.
0: Very cool. I do want to mention one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, Sean, we are owners of a company called Encoded Designs, and it's running a Kickstarter right now for a game called Iron Etta Accelerated. It is a fate-accelerated game based on Norse mythic uh, mythology and epic action. I mean, you can get your Pacific Rim out in this game. And the, the idea mm-hmm. is that Ragnarok takes the form of these uh, giant 50-foot metal destroyers that have climbed up out of the ground being piloted by dwarves instead of the uh, Midgar serpent you know, sh- showing up. And of course, Loki caused all this trouble. And so. then... In order, to, uh, in order to fight these giant metal dwarven destroyers, Loki uh, mentioned to some people, some Vikings, that, you know, you can bond with the spirits of these dead giants. And if you do, then you can, like, summon their bones and be the, the flaming heart or chest of them and, uh, you know, fight back. Of course, you have to live with the fact that you have a giant spirit in your head, but sure, do that. Plus, there's all sorts of other cool stuff that goes along with that. Rune magic and seers, and uh, get your Norse mythology on with that, is what I'm -hmm.
1: saying. Yep, and it uses the Fate Accelerated rule set, which is a really great rule set for exactly this sort of storytelling game. Mm -hmm. You know, It's got everything you need to run a a fun game rules-wise, but the setting itself uh, is great for this epic storytelling, so... I I loved uh, getting a chance to edit it, and I know you love getting a chance to work on some of the design. So uh, if people would support it, we'd highly appreciate it.
0: Yeah, it's a great way to help us out. we we greatly appreciate it. Thank you very much. Or at least go check it out and tell your friends about it. Mm-hmm all right let's get out of here let's do some patreon shout outs before we do that uh rich richard rogers uh Schmitty, quinn jackson dennis malloy richard wayne camden wright noah bond rob bush which we'll see him at the i'll see him at the qcc you won't uh yeah. remy billido stacy winters todd crapper blaze a bear david walker of uh, the w- wakesburg austin lemke glenn Siler, drew smith robert aducci jeff stevens mt black the closet gamer and uh that's it that's, that's who we it. got yes we do all right. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with d you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out.
1: Or for $5 a month, you not only get a shout-out, but you also get, to also get to see our pre-production show notes and access to our Slack Room for Life.
0: And those people love to talk about stuff. We talk about general stuff in uh, one of the rooms, and then we have an RPG talk room where we talk about design and things like that. It's good mm-hmm. times. Um, if you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review or a review, review anywhere.
1: Yep. And those Apple Podcast reviews do help us since most uh, podcasts use Apple Podcasts as their way to rate and rank shows. And that would make us more visible, as would just sharing our links with people. Mm-hmm. So, Sean, where can we find you on the Internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the Down With d and G Plus community. How about
0: you, Chris? Uh, you can hit me up at Misdirected Mark on Twitter or on the website where you can catch other great shows such as this one. Jang Yu Hustle. Train alongside fellow students Eric Farmer and Eli Kurtz in Jang Yu Hustle. Eric and Eli make their kung fu stronger by watching wuxia films then discussing how to apply their observations to game design.
1: Down with d is a misdirected mark production, the media arm of Encoded Designs.
0: What are we going to do now, Sean? We're
1: going to go kill some kyber bread monsters.
0: you down with d and Yeah, you know me. You're down with d and Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know Who's down with D and Down with down with D I'm down with DND. Yeah, you know down with DND. Yeah, you know yeah, you know and
1: scene.